Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Philippians chapter 4. I'm beginning to read in verse 1. Everybody there? It says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in what? Come on, we we need all the men as well to gather. Come on, stand firm in the? In this way, dear friends, I plead with Yodia and I plead with Sintiki, however you pronounce those names, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, to help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Remember, through earlier chapters, he's been hinting about us being humble and serving one another because he had heard there was an issue in Philippi and this church. Here he finally addresses it, and he addresses them by name. And he says, hey, Yodia and Sintiki, I need you guys to get along and stop arguing. Beginning in verse 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Come on, how good are those nine verses right there that Paul is telling the church? Hey, out of those nine verses, I want to share a message with you today that's on my heart out of Philippians chapter 4. As we're wrapping up this series that I hope has blessed your life today, I want to share a message with you that I've titled, God on my mind. God on my mind. Tell your neighbor, I got God on my mind. Some of you don't look like you have God on your mind. Come on, can you look at your neighbor and tell him, I got God on my mind. And uh, if this is your first or second time with us, whether you're here or in the overflow, we're glad that you're with us. And today, if you lean in a little bit, we believe that more than anything I can say, how many know we need to hear from God? And we want him to have his way in this place today. And if you lean in a little bit, I believe that God will speak to us today. We're glad that you're in the house. Welcome to Calvary. If you're a little bit uncomfortable, pray for us. We want a new building. And I know it's a little bit cramped up, but we enjoy it and we like it that way for now. But we're glad that you are here. And like JP said earlier, we believe that God is with you. God is on your side. And God does have a plan and a purpose for your life. Amen. Come on. Why don't we close our eyes, bow our head, and let's ask God to bless this time. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for this place. We thank you for Calvary. Uh, God, we thank you for this church. God, right now, uh, I want to lift up all the people in London, God, affected by what happened last night. God, even the week before what happened in uh, Manchester, as a church, as a community, we want to lift up all of our brothers and sisters and all the families affected by what happened, God. 
You are the God of comfort. You are the God of peace. And we pray that right now you would be with them. We pray for our, our family, Hillsong London, God, and a, a whole bunch of them that were on the ground that are helping families right now, God. We pray that you would strengthen them. God, we will not live under fear, but I pray that you would give them boldness in the name of Jesus to keep proclaiming the name that saves, the only name that has hope, the only name that is the answer, that is Jesus Christ. We will never be ashamed, God. You are the hope and the answer of humanity, God. We pray that you would be with them in this moment. And thank you for this church. Thank you for this community here. Thank you for this city of Miami. We pray that you would be with us, God. Have your way in this place. I pray that today you would help those that came in discouraged, that you would encourage them. God, that you would lift up the head of those that are down, God, that you would help those that are brokenhearted, that today there will be healing. Today we believe that you can open up eyes, God, and you can set people free. Thank you that we can leave differently than how we came in, because one moment in your presence can change us forever. Thank you, God, that you love us and that you are here with us. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. All God's people say. Amen. Oh, come on, 11 a.m. All God's people say. Amen. Amen. Come on, can you give Jesus one more shout? Come on, one more shout. Are, are there any planners here at 11 a.m.? You know what I'm talking about? Like any planners. You need to have everything detailed and planned. Come on, by, by a show of hands. Any planners? Any planners? Okay. Good amount. Good amount. Any any spontaneous people here? You just you just you just just on the fly. Those are the irresponsible people. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I'm not a I'm not a great planner. I think I, I'm I'm okay. But but how many know there's some people that love to plan everything, and and they're they're very detailed and they have a calendar. They have uh, they have a plan for the plan. You know that type of deal. <laughs> I think plans are good. I have a friend that told me for a long time, he says, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And I was like, okay, whoa. All right, sorry, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes. But um, so, so planning is good. A couple of, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was going to get together with Pastor Hedda. How many love Pastor Hedda? Come on. And um, he's a planner. He's that type. He's a planner. He has a plan for the plan for the plan. And uh, we were going to get together on a Friday, and we were going to work on a, a bunch of church stuff. It was going to be a, a Friday full of meetings from, from the morning to the afternoon. We said we're going to lock ourselves in the offices, and we're going to knock out a lot of stuff over the next 12 months that we want to do across the life of the church and connect groups. And it was just one of those days. We knew it was going to be grueling, but it was going to be great. Sometimes it was necessary to just lock yourselves up and work all day long. And, and, and we had a plan. We said this is how it's going to be. How many know that conflict can come up out of nowhere? How many know there can be a change of plans real quick? So we wake up early in the morning and head over here to church and we're in the offices and um, I go into my first meeting. I had a quick meeting in the morning and then when I get out, I look out into the parking lot and I see that my car is gone. And I'm like, babe, do you know, do you know where our car is? And she's like, no, I don't know where the car is. And so we start to try to find out and figure out where, where the car is. We end up calling where we live our complex, and we think, man, maybe our car got towed. We call, and they said, no, we haven't towed your car. So what I meant, our, our car got stolen. <laughs> Anybody know that there could be a change of plans real quick? So we think the car is stolen. We're getting ready to call the cops and make a police report. Thank God Richard McCarthy was here, and I tell him about it. He said, you know what, let's just check one more time if it got towed or not. It ended up that it was being towed. It, it got towed. And, uh, and how many know that tow companies are from Jesus? We love them, and we thank God for them. <laughs> so we call, we call and uh, find out we have to go pick up the car, and we owe $333. Then sings my soul, how great your love is. 
conflict can come up real quick. And so obviously our meetings had to be, uh, you know, postponed for a little bit. We said, hey, had I said, I'll take you, pick up your car. We'll come back and we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll handle the day, everything that we had planned. So we go, we, we go to pick up the car. When we get to the tow truck company, they said, okay, yeah, we can give you your car right now. Uh, but your wife also needs to be here. I'm like, okay, but the car's under my name. Yeah, but since your wife's name is also there, she needs to be here, okay? Call my wife. She has to leave the meeting she's in. She has to go over there and pick up the car. And once we pick up the car, we find out that our parking decal, uh, it was wrong from where we live. We have to get it fixed, and we have to get it fixed immediately. If not that night, they will tow it again. Amazing. Jesus is good. <laughs> and so we have to go home. We have to drive home. So the meetings get postponed even more. We have to drive all the way home, find our lease papers, uh, try to contact our landlord, who's like Carmen San Diego, all over the world, and we have no idea where he's at. And... Um, and come to find out the parking decals to get everything ready and the application and all that, it's another $300. So how good your love is, God. And uh, we're just praising Jesus. We're home. We're figuring this out. Hours have now gone by. We're trying to get all the paperwork, making copies, sending it over to the offices. And so now by now it's almost noon, 1 o'clock, and we're just like, man, this day has been rough since the morning. Finally, we're finally out of our house, and we're on the way over here to church to see if we finally can get the parking decals all figured out and Maybe start at least handle two or three meetings. As we leave the house, we're coming to church, and uh, I look at my rearview mirror, and uh, actually, no, it wasn't in the rearview mirror. He was in front of me. Uh, a cop pulls me over. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. How many love our police officers in our city? I thank God for them and love them. Praise God. I was going 35 in the 30, and I got a $300 ticket. So amazing. Amazing. He says I was going 45, but I don't think so, uh, and I'll believe my word over his word. And... Um, <laughs> And uh, how many know your day can change real, real quick? And so we ended up getting to church super late, all this. And by that time, my, my, my brain was fried. I said, forget the meeting. We all headed to the Keys, and we ate our life away watching the sunset in Key Largo. And we're just like, let's just enjoy the rest of this night. It's been a bad day. Luis Coyasso says, okay, you know what you need to do? Go home and don't get out till tomorrow. And that's what you need to do. That kind of day has been. How many know that there can be a change of plans real quick? I'm talking about real, real quick. Conflict can come up in our lives and change our plans. But how many know that a conflict does not have to be the deciding factor of our joy because our joy is in Jesus. Our joy is not on a circumstance. Our joy is not in a situation. Our joy is not on a person. It's on Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. So even if conflict comes up, you can remain with joy on the inside. This series is all about how to live happy in a world gone mad. We're not happy because life is great. We're not happy because everything's going our way. We're happy because Jesus saved us. He forgave us. He's with us. He's on our side. Come on, is there anybody glad at 11 a.m. that we have a Savior named Jesus who's walking alongside of us? You can have joy in the midst of pain. Maybe you walked in here today. At this service, and you're saying, Alex, I'm in the middle of conflict. Alex, I'm going through it. I had some plans for my life. I thought life would look a certain way, and I had no idea that this situation would happen. I had no idea that this would happen in my marriage. I had no idea that my kids were going to go crazy. I had no idea that everything was going to fall apart. I had no idea that I was going to be all of a sudden now in financial debt. I had no idea that I was going to lose my job. And you walked in with conflict, and conflict wants to rob you of your joy. I want to remind you that it cannot because Jesus, he's a joy of our life. Today, who you have to trust and who you have to look at is Jesus. Because if we look at circumstances, situations, and change of plans, it will rob our joy. If that's what we are looking at. 
But even in the middle of conflict, we can remain steadfast, we can remain secure, even when there's a change of plans. This is what Paul is trying to tell the church in Philippi as we approach the end of this letter. We've been in this letter for now six weeks, and today we see that he's about to finish off this letter, and he's writing this letter to a church that he loves. Remember, these are his friends. He calls them brothers and sisters. He loves them 11 years before this letter. He had planted his church. He had gotten to Philippi, and Lydia got saved. And remember the slave girl got saved and the jailer and his family got saved. Everybody got saved and baptized. It was a complete revival what was happening in Philippi. This church starts and Paul continues to preach and the church continues on his own to thrive. And it's going amazing. 11 years later, Paul, for preaching about Jesus, he's thrown in jail. And here he is sitting in jail. And the church in Philippi finds out he has no money, he's in jail, he's in need. So they send him a financial gift through a guy named Epaphroditus who travels 800 miles just to give him the gift. When he gets the gift, he's overwhelmed, so he writes this thank you letter. That's what the book of Philippians really is, is a letter saying thank you to this church. But it's also become known as the letter of joy because in this small letter he says joy 18 times. Isn't it crazy that a man in jail can have joy? His, his, his joy is not based on the outside, it's based on the inside. And here he has joy in the middle of prison. And he's writing this thing. And toward the end now, he's about to address certain things. And he wants to remind them about certain things as he's wrapping up this letter. Look what he says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, as he begins this letter, the end of this letter. He says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way. Dear friends, therefore, the week before we talked about being citizens of heaven, he says, since you are citizens of heaven, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for. You know what I love? This guy is in prison. And yet while he is in prison and probably still in need, probably some nights have gone hungry, some nights he's gone cold, he still continues to love and serve Jesus. How many times do some of us, when situations come in our life, we say, oh, you know what, I'm going to take a season. I'm, I'm going to stop serving on team. I'm going to stop going to connect group. I'm just having a tough time right now. Here, you can't get any tougher than sitting in jail. I mean, he's in prison, and this is not the nice prisons that we have nowadays with air conditioning and TVs. He's probably in like a dungeon, and he's sitting, and he's guarded. He's in, he's in chains um, attached to some guards. And yet in prison, he's saying, oh, you church whom I love, you are my joy and my crown. That means even in the midst of trouble, you can continue to love people and serve Jesus and say, you are my joy and my crown. Because even when it gets tougher, that's when we have to serve all the more. Here he's like, yo, I, I love you. My brothers and my sisters, you're my joy and my crown. And he says, I want you to stand firm in the Lord. Oh, what he's doing here, remember, he wrote this in Greek. That word stand firm is literally a military term. It's what a commanding officer would tell his soldiers. This is what Paul is about to wrap up the letter with. He's telling the church, I want you to remember, in spite of everything that I've already told you, one thing you have to do is stand firm in the Lord. Don't let anything move you. This is a military term. In other words, stand at attention. You better be careful because we are in a spiritual warfare. Maybe you walked in here today and you see, Alex, life, it is going crazy. Everything's coming against me. Can I tell you, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual principalities and powers. There's a full-on attack against our life, against our families, against our church. But thank God that he who's with us is greater than he who's against us. And he says, you can stand firm in the middle of a war. 
You can stand firm in the middle of war because if you can easily be moved, then your joy can easily be taken. If you can easily be moved, your joy can easily be taken. He says, I want you to stand firm. I want you to stand at attention. Doesn't matter what life may be throwing at you. I want you to stand firm, brothers and sisters. So he's saying stand firm. Life is going to throw some stuff at you. Look at me. I'm in prison. But I want you to stand firm. I wonder if we could look inside of our lives today and say, am I, am I standing firm? Have I let conflict and change of plans change the way I look up at God, change the way I look at my church, change the way I look at my, my marriage and my family? He says, stand firm. And then now he's going to address in detail the situation that he's been hinting at. In chapter 2, he says, I want you to be humble and serve one another. But now he's about to call them out by name. I don't know about you, but if I was those two ladies, I'd be a little bit embarrassed sitting in that church. In this letter, they used to grab them, and they used to read them out loud to the whole church, kind of like we're doing right now. And uh, imagine Yodia and Santiki sitting in the front row. And uh, by the way, first of all, I'll just be embarrassed by those names. And second of all, <laughs> Paul's calling me out. Look what he says in Philippians chapter 4. He says, I plead with Yodia. Yodia, hoo And I plead with... <laughs> I don't even know why I did that again. And... Uh, and I, plead, and I plead with Sintiki to be of the same mind. Remember what we said, same mind. When Paul says same mind, he actually says, I want you to be of the same soul, one soul. I want you to be together on everything. I want you to be of the same mind in the Lord. Verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, many believe he was talking to the pastor of the church, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are in the book of life. He says, hey, hey, Yodia and Sintiki, I plead with you, stop the fighting. Stop arguing. I've already told you to be humble, but now I'm going to address you by name, and I'm going to tell you what's going on. How many know that conflict can happen in a church? Not this church. Thank God Calvary is awesome, but many churches. <laughs> conflict can come up. Here they thought Paul had started this church in Philippi and he had moved on to continue to preach. And they thought everything was going to go, okay, we're going we're to take over Philippi and we're going to do amazing things here in Philippi. And 11 years later, there's this big fight. And it looks like it's a huge fight if Paul had to address it by detail. In fact, it looks like these ladies, they weren't just attenders in the church. It looks like they were leaders in the church. Because he says, you've been my co-workers in the cause of the gospel. In fact, for him to address it, many believe that it has started to cause a division and a rift in the church. All of a sudden, separation was going on. Some people were walking in on Sunday, and they were like, oh, I'm with Yodia. And uh, I believe that Yodia was right in that argument. Who knows what they were arguing about? Somebody else was like, well, I'm with Sintiki. I like her name better. Your name is weird. Uh, I'm with her side. And I think she was right. You should have not used almond milk. We like whole milk, not almond milk. We're not all about who knows what they were fighting about. And now it's caused a division. And jerk. How many of you know there can be conflicts sometimes about the dumbest things? And a dumb little conflict will blow up and it will bring separation in relationships, in marriage, in our life, in our connect groups, in our church. Because what the devil wants to do is divide the move of God. We need to remain steadfast and say, you know what, devil? You have no place in this church. You have no place in my life. You have no place in my marriage. Oh, come on. We're steadfast. We will stand firm. We will not be divided. And if we're not careful, we will hold on to conflict and allow the devil a foothold. In our lives. What we have to realize today, you can write this down, is that conflict is inevitable, but we have to know that resentment is a choice. Conflict is inevitable, but resentment, it is a choice. Conflict will happen. It's always going to happen. There's no way you can avoid conflict. 
I mean, there's going to be conflict. How many are married here? Any married couples? Is there conflict in marriage? <laughs> Some, wives <are> lo- <laughs> Some wives are looking at their husband like, mm-hmm, say there's conflict. I'm, I'm going to show you some conflict later on. There's conflict in marriage. How many of you are single in here? How many know there's conflict in being single? <laughs> How many of you have a job? How many of you know there's conflict in our workplace? How many of you are without a job? That's a conflict right there. There's conflict in all areas of our life. And there's definitely conflict in personal relationships. Conflicts are inevitable. They will happen. Heard a pastor say that as long as there's people, there will always be people problems. (laughs) As long as there's people, there's always going to be people problems. We're always going to get in each other's nerves. We're always going to disagree. We're not always going to agree with each other. Not everybody's going to agree with me. Sometimes I disagree with me. (laughs) We're all going to disagree. Come on. We're always going to have issues with people because people have issues, and we have issues. Come on, we're really honest this Sunday morning. We can come in here and say, man, I got a whole lot of issues. I know my flaws. I know my shortcomings. I know that I can be hard-headed. I know that I can be whatever. All of us have issues, so there's always going to be conflict in every area of life. We can't avoid it, but we can choose our reaction to it. What are we going to do? Are we going to be like Yodi and Sintiki who allowed a disagreement, an argument to bring division to a church to the point that Paul, 800 miles away, had to address it and had to tell him, I want you to stop. I want you to hold it together. Oh, people, there's always going to be issues as long as all of us are involved. Look what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 14, verse 4. It says this, that without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need strong ox for a large harvest. In other words, you you want a strong, nice, clean stable? Have no animals. Look at my stable. It is beautiful. It smells amazing. smells like Febreze, and uh, this is awesome. But if you want a large harvest, you're going to have to get some oxen there. How many know you, you want a church with no problems? Have no people. But if we're going to take over the city, and if we believe in what God has called us, and we're going to reach the lost, and we're going to help marriages, and we're going to help the broken, how many know we need a whole lot of people, and it may bring problems, but we're going to stay mission-focused, and we're going to move forward. We want a thousand connect groups. You know how it's going to happen? With all of us working together in spite of our problems. And what we need to do is to make sure that we are all working on this together to figure it out. And to make sure that we don't add to the problem, but we actually bring a solution. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Jesus says this, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. You ever know instigators? How many know some friends that are instigators? Maybe it's you. (laughs) In other words, don't be that instigator. Oh, I'm with Yodia, Yodia, Yodia. She was right. I'm on Yodia's side. Ooh, Sintiki, you were wrong. Hey, Sintiki, what kind of name is that? Your mama was crazy. Mama Sintiki, get on that side. I'm with Yodia. Why are you instigating? Find a solution to the problem. Oh, but that greeter treated me wrong. I don't like that greeter. I'm going to go out to the parking team. Parking team is better. Hoo, hoo, hoo. What? Don't add to the problem. Let's find a solution. Let's all get together and say, you know what? There may be some conflict, but we're serving Jesus. Our eyes are going to be fixed on him. We're going to work this thing out. It's our choice how to react to a conflict. Her pastor, Levi Lusco, says, he said, you can't hold on to a grudge and hope at the same time. So many people, because of conflict, 
There's now a grudge in their life. There's now anger in their life. There's now, you can't, you're, it's your choice. You're either going to get better or you're going to get bitter. No, 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 this person, they, they did this to me, and so I'm going to be angry, and I'm never going to let it go. You want to hold on to the hope of Jesus, you have to let go of the grudge of people. So you know what? I choose to forgive. I'm going to get over this thing because our mission is way bigger than this conflict. I'm going to choose to forget. I'm going to choose to love in spite of what may be going on. And he says, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice in the Lord. It's a choice to rejoice. We're not happy because of circumstances. We're not happy because conflict. We're happy because we are in the Lord. And Paul says, I want you to rejoice in the Lord. I want you to make a decision on the inside that I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to get bitter, but I'm going to be glad in him. He saved me. He rescued me. He forgave me. His grace picked me up. Oh, my God, I'm not going to fight. I'm actually going to praise Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord. You have a choice today. What are you going to do? Are you going to hold on to a grudge? Maybe you walked in today and there's somebody that you have something against. And you're just like, I don't, I, I don't know. I can't let this thing go. It's your choice. Well, I mean, but you don't, you don't know what they did. I don't, but it's your choice. Oh, but, but I mean, it was a big offense. It's your choice. You can either choose to hold on or you can choose to rejoice. Paul continues in Philippians chapter 4. He continues talking in verses 5 and on. Listen to what he says. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for what? Oh, come on, 11 a.m. Be anxious for? Be anxious for nothing. A lot of times we say that and we say, okay, that, that sounds cute. And we put it on coffee mugs and we put it on, on our laptops and be anxious for nothing, be anxious for nothing. How many know anxiety is still going to come? I think the verse that we should focus on as well is the one before where it says the Lord is near. It's easier to let go of anxiety when we realize that God is closer than we know. If we're focusing on our own strength, be, be anxious for nothing, be anxious for nothing. Sometimes we, we focus more on the demand than the supply. And so the demand itself gives us anxiety. Be anxious for nothing. Then we become anxious about trying not to be anxious. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious. Why am I getting anxious? Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious. Be anxious. Why am I anxious? <laughs> Instead of focusing on the supply, the Lord, he's near. Oh, wait. And if God is with me, I can trust in Jesus. I rely on him. My God, if I realize that God, he's on my side, he's for me and that he loves me. This is what we have to realize, that your perception proper perception will result in perfect peace proper perception will result in perfect peace your view of God will determine your experience of God how do we see God do we see God off at a distance God you forgot me you you've left me and, and you left us here in Philippi by ourselves and and you knew Sintiki had problems God and, and God you, you forgot and you're with Paul in Rome and you're not here Paul is saying the Lord he's near to you the Lord he's near to me the Lord is not off at a distance he is present at your very side the Bible says he's an ever-present help in our time of trouble I want to remind somebody today God has not forgotten you God has not abandoned you God has not moved on he's waiting for you he is by by your side and a proper perception a proper perception my God it will keep us in perfect peace I, I know I know that I know that I know that God he's by my side I may be in the middle of conflict an issue may have came up 
But God, he's with me. And I know that if he's with me, then I can be anxious for nothing. You know, anxiety is, he's writing here in the Greek, anxiety, you know what it literally means? To be pulled apart in different directions. You ever felt pulled apart by different directions? Come on, all of us. Isn't that what's happening in, the, in, in Philippi right there? Some are going with Yodia. Some are going with Sintiki. They're being pulled apart. You ever felt like your soul is being pulled apart? It feels like, yeah, I don't know. I want to serve Jesus, but at the same time, I'm under this stress. I, I want to serve Jesus. I want to join a connect group, but I'm under this financial debt. I want to serve Jesus, but I have all these temptations, and you're being pulled apart. That's anxiety. That's anxiety. Anxiety is to be pulled apart. You know what worry means? Worry literally means to be strangled and choked. So many of us, this is how we live our lives, under anxiety, under stress, under worry. We're being pulled side to side. We're being strangled. We're being choked. I really believe that that's not how God intended us for us to live our lives because he is the prince of peace and he promised that he would be with us today. It is your day to be free, not to be pulled apart, not to be strangled, not to be choked, but there's freedom in the house of God that you can let that go. You can cast your cares on him because he cares for us. And I love what he says. He says, oh, my God, do it by prayer. The antidote for anxiety is prayer. What's the answer? Alex, I don't understand. I'm, I'm stressed out. I'm worried. I'm going crazy. What do I do? Paul says, pray. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, take your request to God. You don't want to be anxious? Talk to God. He's closer than you know. He's by your side. I don't know who needs to be reminded about that here this morning. God is by your side. You can talk to him. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. He wants to help you. He's closer to you than you can ever imagine. He says, talk to him. Make your request known to him. Then the peace of God will guard your heart and will guard your mind. You know what Paul is saying there? Remember, he wrote this all in the Greek. In the Greek, he uses another military term. When he says he will guard our minds and our heart. Literally what he's saying is this. Remember, he was in prison. He was chained to a guard. The same way that the guard was protecting him not to run away or from anybody coming in is the same way that peace will be a guard in our mind and in our heart, and it will not allow things to come in or out. In other words, peace comes from God. And it stands at the door of our life. It stands at the door of our heart. It stands at the door of our mind. And it says, wait a minute. Fear, you can't come in. Anxiety, you can't come in. Worry, you can't come in. This is a child of God. This is a woman and a man of God. You cannot come in. He is protected by the peace of God. Does anybody want to be protected by the peace of God? He says, take your request to God and peace will be a guard over your mind and over your heart. Some of us, we haven't been able to sleep in days and weeks. Take your request to God and he'll give you peace. It's the peace of God. It will stand in our hearts, in our mind, protecting us. Love what the Bible says in the book of Isaiah. Look at the last verse, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace all whose trust is in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. You'll keep him in perfect peace. Today, do you want that perfect peace? I don't know about you, but in my life, I'm not talking to you as somebody who, who has it all together. I'm not talking to you to somebody that had their car towed and a police reported the same day and all this money gone down the drain in one day. I'm not telling you that I walked around like I had perfect peace. Amen. I'm in the struggle just like you. 
It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not going to focus on what just happened. I'm not going to focus on conflict. I'm not going to focus on everything, all these change of plan. I'm going to focus on my Jesus, that he's with me. He's on my side. It's going to be okay. Somehow, some way, I know this is temporary. Jesus, he's on my side. I'm going to focus my eyes on you. Focus your thoughts on him. I love how Isaiah ties into what Paul is saying in Philippians. Isaiah says that you'll have perfect peace, those whose thoughts are on him. And at the end of chapter 4, right there, verses 8 and on, he begins to say what to have our minds on. Look at what Paul says. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. He says, don't be thinking about that conflict. Don't be thinking about that person. Literally what he's talking about here is personal conflict. How many times do we walk in and we say, this person, they have it out for me. Oh, we already got into an argument. They don't like me. They have it against me. They're probably talking about other people. You know why I haven't gotten a promotion at work? Because this person don't like me. He says, you know what? Stop thinking that way. Put your mind on what is lovely. Put your mind on what is admirable. I'm going to believe the best in people. I'm going to put my mind on good thoughts. You know what? My wife, my husband, they love me. I'm going to believe that God is going to work this thing out. I'm not going to put my mind on conflict. I'm going to put my mind on Jesus. Today, what are we thinking? What is occupying our mind? Because last and not least, what is in our mind is going to be what is in our life. What's on your mind? The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so a man is. What's on your mind? Is it always worry? Is it always anxiety? Is it always people are out to get me? Is it always rejection? Is it always, my God, this person don't like me. That person don't like me. I walk into church and everybody's judging me. I can't join a connect group because nobody likes me. What's on your mind? He says, change your mind and you can change your life. Oh, my whole family's out to get me. Oh, this is why we don't speak. There, there's, there, there was a rift. There was a, a division and... I can't, can't surpass it. Change your thinking and you'll change your living. Heard a message a long time ago that said, the title of it was Stinking Thinking. How many times do our thoughts, we think people are talking about it, people don't, people don't even think about us. And we think everybody in the room is talking about us. Change your mind. God, God I'm going to think on what you have for me. I'm going to think on something lovely, admirable. I'm going to think that God, he is a God of peace and that he is with me, that he is on my side. I'm going to think that God has plans for me. I'm going to think that God is going to work on my marriage. I believe that God is going to make this marriage incredible, that we will be a testimony for everybody that knows us. I believe that we can go to the next level in our walk with Jesus. I'm going to thank God that you are on my side, that you're working out all things for the good of those who love you. My mind is going to be on good things. Paul is in prison, not thinking about prison. He's in prison thinking about Jesus. What are your mind on? I want to pray for two people this morning. I know we're a little bit over time, but I just want to pray for two people. If you're here today and you're saying, Alex, that's me. My mind has been bogged down. I've been, I've been living under anxiety. I've been living under stress. I, I felt pulled apart. I felt like I've been strangled and choked. I feel like like life is just coming against me. I would love to pray for you this morning. I'm going to ask the whole church to close their eyes and bow their head. All over this auditorium, all over the overflow, online or on the radio, if you're here this morning, you're saying, Alex, that's me. This has gotten the best of me. Yeah, I'm trying to come in here and worship Jesus. I'm trying to focus on him. Some of us, we got family issues that 
has divided us for years. Some of us got grudges. Some of us have anger and resentment and bitterness in our heart. And I believe that today the Spirit of God wants to free you. You don't have to walk around with that anger. You don't have to walk around with that root of bitterness. I believe that the peace of God can guard your heart, can guard your mind. And that the God of peace can be with you. Today the Holy Spirit wants to change the way you think, wants to change, wants to heal. If that's you, if you say, Alex, that's me. I've had sleepless nights and stressed out and got all these issues, conflicts and all over this place, auditorium, overflow, eyes closed, head bowed. If that's you at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand all over this place. Hands raised up everywhere. Holy Spirit, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would come moving in this place right now, God. God, I pray that your healing power would move across this auditorium right now. God, that it would move across our overflow. God, that it would move across people listening online and on the radio. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are a healer. God, I pray right now that you would come healing every heart from past scars. God, that you would come healing them, that those grudges, anger, resentment, bitterness, they would have to let it go in the name of Jesus. We believe that this is not the life that you've called us to live. We believe that the enemy has no place in our mind, in our heart. We pray that the peace of God right now will stand up, the peace that surpasses all understanding. And it has to tell fear to get out. It has to tell anxiety to get out. It has to tell stress to get out, anger, resentment to get out in Jesus' mighty name. God, we proclaim freedom this morning for all of your sons and all of your daughters in Jesus' name. I pray that you would free them here today. God, thank you for the freedom that is found in you. Thank you that in you we can live, breathe, and have our being. Thank you that in you there is true freedom for our soul. Thank you that in you there is the peace that we can have in the inside. God, thank you for healing this morning. Have your way in this place. God, I pray that today relationships will be healed. and Marriages will be restored. I pray that you would heal across all areas of our lives. You are the great healer. You are the prince of peace. Thank you, Jesus. With eyes closed and head bowed really quick, one last prayer. If you're here for the first time, second time, or maybe you've been coming for a while and you say, Alex, I don't have a relationship with God. In fact, I'm far from God. I don't know this God that you've been talking about. I feel distant from God. I don't even know God wants anything to do with me. I want to tell you that he does. He loves you more than you could imagine. Today, you can begin a relationship with the God who created you, with the God who made you. He's in this place. He loves you more than you could imagine. He loves you more than you know. Today, it doesn't matter if you're ready or not. The Bible says that all of us are sinners. Sin separates us from God. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We've all sinned. Nobody's perfect in this place. Sin separates us from Jesus, but God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to come down and grab all of my sin, your sin, all of our shame, all of our guilt. The Bible says that Jesus grabbed it, put it on his shoulders, went up on the cross, and he, and he died for our sins. He died for our guilt, for our shame. All over this place today, if you're saying, Alex, that's me, Jesus, he paid the price for you. He went into the grave. He was in the grave for three days, and after three days, Jesus resurrected. He's alive today. He wants to give you a relationship with him. He loves you more than you can imagine. I'm going to count to three. If you're in here, if you say, Alex, I need forgiveness for my sins. I want to have a relationship with this God. I want to know Jesus. Today, he wants to give you a brand new start. At the count of three, come on, while the whole church is praying. In the auditorium, in the overflow, in the radio, online. If you want to make a decision to start a relationship with Jesus, at the count of three, you raise your hand. I'm just going to acknowledge you. I'm going to see you, and then you can put it right back down. One, two.
two, three. Raise your hand all over this place, as high as you can. Come on, as high as you can. Hands are going raised up everywhere, everywhere. Amazing, amazing. God bless you. God bless you. All over here to my right, in the middle, all the way to the back. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. In the overflow radio online. Come on, God. He's a good God. Amen. God is good. Father, I thank you for all these hands that are raised. God, I pray that today you would come into their heart and give them a brand new life, a brand new relationship with you. All of you who raise your hand, I'm going to say a simple prayer. I want you to repeat this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. The whole church, we're going to repeat it with you out loud. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I will follow you all the days of my life. I am saved. I am forgiven. And I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information. Till next time. 